It's amazing. Unbelievable. Can you believe it? It's over. The Sharks' longest losing streak since 2005, right before they traded for Joe Thornton, has come to an end. The Sharks are victorious. We'll break that down. We'll break down the kids having an impact on the big club and coming to the Barracuda. Let's talk about this right now here on Teal Town After Dark. Good evening, everyone. It is Tuesday night, April 19th, 2022. The San Jose Sharks are victorious. Yes, that is right. It's been nearly a calendar month, but the Sharks are victorious. They defeat the Columbus Blue Jackets 3-2. And we welcome you to this edition of Teal Town After Dark. This is your live interactive Sharks post game. We do this after every game, so if you want to be part of the show, here's how you do it. Chat with us and fellow Sharks fans and hockey fans all over the world on the YouTube page or the app. And, of course, follow us on the social Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Smash that subscribe button, people. SoundCloud, Reddit, Discord, and find everything at tealtownusa.com. And with that, hey, the Internet's working. And I finally get to talk to Mark Eisenberg. Mark, buddy, no technical difficulties so far. How are you, man? Yes, yes, I am great. <laughs> it is good to be here. Um, yeah, lots to say, lots to talk about. Tons going on in the Sharks world right now. Oh my! And it's goodness. great to be here with you. How it, you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's nice that they won. And then there's also the people who are like, no, tankathon, tankathon. <laughs> Yeah, the Ducks also lost, so that doesn't help. But Detroit won, so yes. no point differential really there for the night. But now we're just a little bit closer to the Ducks. Draft position could get worse. We'll see. But there's other good implications from that Ducks loss. So Yes, so we'll, we'll get into all that afterwards. But let's talk about this game. The Sharks begin their final homestand of the season. They got Columbus tonight. St. Louis Thursday, Chicago on Fan Appreciation Night on Saturday, and then Anaheim a couple of nights later. Um, the other thing, too, uh, and I know you're a big college hockey guy, three members of the Michigan Wolverines that made it to the Frozen Four in this lineup. You get Kent Johnson, Nick Blankenberg for Columbus, and, of course, Thomas Bordalo for the Sharks. So that's kind of a nice touch, but, I mean, Michigan producing all kinds of stuff uh, coming in uh, with like what the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. My eyes were pretty glued to Bordalo for the most part, but um, you definitely can't help but notice some of the other guys, especially Johnson being a top pick from last year. Um, and then also um, Bordalo getting that steal on his former captain, <laughs> the defenseman. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely watching those college guys. Absolutely. So let's get into it early on. Roslovic would take a slashing call on uh, Jonathan Dolan. That set up a Sharks power play. And uh, Scott Reedy gets his fourth on the power play from Gregor and Couture to get go get things going one nothing. You know, he's looked pretty solid in these last few games. He had a goal on the road trip. I mean, Reedy, what did you like from that, from that first goal? Yeah, I've liked Reedy. He seems like a guy who kind of is always in the right place. 
Um, I don't see any major flaws so far in his game, and I really liked how the power play looked early on. These new look units, they had the right guys moving the puck around. Um, I think the puck possession on the power play was, it looked fresh. It looked different. Um, so I really liked that move and the new look power play. Yeah, uh, and had Borderlow out there with yep. Merkley and Dolan and, oh yeah, um, Timo and, and Hurdle out there, which was kind of fun to watch and see them move the puck around but uh the second you would come on reedy would get it in to make it one nothing and then the one you were just talking about just a moment ago balsers just bangs it home from a nice pass from bordelow uh you know about almost nine minutes in to make it two nothing yeah um beautiful assist um i think it was actually just moments earlier where bordolo kind of tried the spin around pass and it went the other way and i was like okay maybe it's just a rookie mistake i'm like i hope he doesn't stop trying those kind of plays though because that's what he is he's a skilled player you don't want to see the, the rookies lose those skill plays and then what does he do he takes a quick look over his shoulder sees the guy in front spinorama pass boom right in front balsters buries it it's beautiful yeah, beautiful play all, all around nice steal like you mentioned earlier uh to get that to balsers and great vision that i think that's the one thing i really like about what i've seen from borderlo in his two games with the sharks or the couple of games with the cuda his his vision on the ice is really nice and you know i i know ek65 gets gets a lot of flack for that but also i mean really uh a uh just a just nice vision there. I would love to see him coerce with offensive-minded talent down the road. I think that'll be really big for this team coming up. Yeah, for sure. And he looks confident too, considering he's been in the NHL for two games and the AHL for another two games. Like he doesn't look frightened with the puck, which is what you want to see out of a player with his level of skill. Because if he's confident with the puck, he's most likely going to make those elite-level plays which he's able to do. So, um, yeah, great start so far. Yeah, and it would keep going, you know, even despite the Sharks getting another power play. Didn't didn't get that one to go through. But uh, later in the period, Scott Reedy trying out for the A's or the Giants, you know, with bats at home from Shemilevsky, uh, his fifth to make it 3 nothing in, in a solid period all around for the Sharks, you know, basically dominating the Blue Jackets early on. Oh, yeah, that first period was as one side as it gets. I, I, the shots, I think, were a little bit more level looking than the actual play was. Um, I don't really think Kakinen was tested much at all in that first. Period. I think there was one giveaway in, right in front of the net where he kind of um, had to make a decent save. But the Sharks really continue, um, carried the flow of play in that first period. And the great thing to see was that we were getting that depth scoring, which throughout this, a lot of the season we've kind of lacked. So you get two goals from Reedy, you get one from Balsers, who's now actually up to 11 goals. He's been on fire recently. Yeah. So to see that kind of depth production, you're always going to feel good coming out of a period up 3 nothing with that kind of production. Yeah, and great great start, great movement. And like you said, freshness. That's that's the thing. I think they need some new new movement in their in their playmaking. I think they've gotten a little stagnant and they've looked really good there. Uh, a super chat donation uh, from SG Sports Talk channel. Thank you very much. Of course, as we always say, when we get a super chat donation, it goes help pay the bills for the site and the show. 
uh, to keep everything looking as smooth as possible. Uh, they're asking, what are your thoughts on Capo Kakinen? Uh, I, I, you know, overall, a solid night all around. I th- uh, honestly, he hasn't really had a a rough one except for maybe that Dallas game. Yeah, the last three games he's been lights out. Um, very good. I, I like his positioning. I like his vision. Um, I think the goal that didn't end up counting, he actually sh- was kind of out of position on. Um, the one that was called back on the offsides. If you looked at the replay, he pretty much gave the entire half of the net to the shooter. Yeah. Um, but once again, goal called back. So let's just erase that from our memory. But, <laughs> but almost did actually. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> but aside from that, I think he's been very stellar. And I mean, his numbers speak for themselves over the last three or four games. It was about time he got a win. Yeah, I mean, the, the poor guy has played lights-out hockey for this team ever since he got uh, traded from Minnesota. I mean, it's the Sharks all of a sudden went from Martin Jones and and Aaron Dell and, and um, uh, Yosef Korshinash and, and Alexei Melnichuk last year to, well, we'll get to it a little bit later on, but now they have a lot of goaltending talent that they desperately needed uh in the pipeline and currently with the team for that matter too uh whoever is the gm making these decisions um you're gonna have a very interesting situation on your hands as to who uh who you're going to have in net come opening night next october so um moving onward to the second period uh you basically have three penalties there were no goals uh, the first one I-, I thought was very iffy. Uh, Gregor's coming in to try to get a, get a scoring chance. He's getting held up and then gets pushed into Mer- Merzlikens by a Columbus defender. And then Columbus gets a power play out of it because he hit Merzlikens. So. Yeah, it was a brutal call because I don't even think he would have made contact if it wasn't for the defenseman kind of redirecting his route. It looked like he was just going to breeze by Merzlikens. The defenseman decides to step in and kind of alter his route. And then, of course, they make contact. And I know the ref's going to call that. But at the same time, I feel like you need to consider the situation. So that was a that was a call that I definitely had an issue with. Is it one of those ones where you could actually call both penalties? where it's goaltender interference, but you're also getting called for holding. I mean, it just seems like it's one of those ones like, come on, let's be honest here. Is that really a call or not? Um, Yeah. So thankfully it didn't hurt the Sharks. The Sharks, PK, once again, fantastic on the night. They they went, uh, you know, one for three. Granted, uh, they still look pretty solid, and that's probably been the best part of their their uh, season has been their PK. It would get challenged, though, uh, by two calls within nearly eight minutes of each other because the Sharks put hella dudes on the frozen pond twice. Twice in the same period, not, let alone the game, the same period. Guys, we can't have lazy, lazy guys getting off the ice. Yeah, and that first one where Merkley does the little loop, comes back to the bench uh, it's another borderline call in my mind. I mean, there was no impact on the play. I, I, I kind of agree with Bugner, who was given the um, refs a decent amount of his mind. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think that could have been let go as well. Um, the second one, obviously the opposite situation, where I think they had seven guys on the ice. <laughs> but, yeah, it's 
penalty trouble completely kind of shifted this game for me because before that, I think the Sharks were really in control and then it kind of wrestled a little bit more towards the beat, the Blue Jackets. Yeah, in the third period, they would take advantage of that penalty late in the period. Uh, in the second, they would get they capitalize on it with the power play goal. Roslevic uh, gets his 18th from Danforth and Kent Johnson. For Johnson, that's his first NHL point uh, in his third game, uh, to or his fourth game, excuse me, to make it 3-1 Columbus. Uh, this period, I, it kind of had me thinking, okay, the Sharks are starting to get a little tired here. Yeah, um, I think I noticed it in the second half of that second and then through most of the third. Um, it looked like Columbus just wrestled the game away from the Sharks, and I don't know what, what exactly it was that shifted um, the flow. I think some of it could have been the penalties. Some of it could have been frustration. Not really sure, but you could definitely notice a difference. It was basically two different games, the first half versus the second half. Yeah, uh, like how the Sharks dominated the first, the Columbus Blue Jackets dominated the second, or excuse me, the third period. Uh, you know, you get uh, two penalties well, with Peak and Myers saying why I ought to each other when they're battling in front of the net. But then 13-33, Roslevic again gets his second of the game, 19th of the year, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, no. Hashtag it was 3-0. Uh, you know, we, we we don't need nightmares. Uh, we don't need to lose our hair. Uh, it was just, it's like, here we go again. It, it, you almost felt, Mark, a little bit like it's bound to happen. Yeah. I, I mean, I was expecting it towards the end of that game to possibly go into overtime once again because it seems to be what's been going on the last, what, month? Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it was... It was not pretty in the end. And I think um, Randy was going for the broadcaster jinx um, <laughs> in mentioning that Columbus has come from behind like 20 times or something this season and won games. So that didn't help. But yeah. Trying to do the reverse psychology broadcaster jinx, I think was what Randy was doing uh, yeah. with Hetty tonight on the broadcast. Uh, Columbus would, go, would be full on surging, try to... Get this game tied up. In fact, there was at one point, I think, Burns and Ferraro uh, were stuck out there for like at least a minute 40, if not two minutes, uh, late in that game. Uh, So it was a rough one at that. But the Sharks somehow um, somehow, uh, get the job done. Capo Kakinen finally... Finally gets his first one as a shark. He gets a 22 save performance on the night, and uh, uh, I know, I know, a lot of us are team tank. I know we would love to get to get the first overall pick for the first time ever in in franchise history, but my goodness, ten straight losses, and and again, I think you said it tonight. I think the the night, the moment of the game, fresh, you know. It was it was this team looked good. The kids did quite all right. You know, you don't see the you don't see the usual suspects this season on the score sheet with Hurdle or Meyer or Couture. You get you get I mean, yeah, Couture had an assist, but you see Reedy on the score sheet with two goals, Balsers with his eleventh, Bordalo getting an assist on this one. Um you know, I I think all around uh, a great solid victory that this team desperately needed. Yeah, <clears throat> and I think you also have to 
I mean, even if you're rooting for a tank, you have to accept that your team's going to win sometimes. And this was one of those nights that I think it was good to get that win. Um, we wanted Kakinen to get his first win. Um, the effort was there early on, and I think it was good to kind of reward that in the end with the with a W. But um, also, you can't lose 82 games, right? And you have to also worry sometimes about players' mindsets when you've gone through 10-game losing streaks. So I think it's good for not just the young players, the veterans, and just the franchise in general to just get out of this streak. You know, that that's mentally demoralizing. Absolutely. That's that's the biggest part about it is just getting out of that Schneid. This is tied for the fifth longest winless streak in Sharks franchise history. They almost broke the NHL record in 93 with 17 straight. Uh, in fact, they we go back to October of 91, where after the first win that the Sharks had, they proceeded to go on by losing the next 13. Uh, and and that didn't just happen once or twice. That happened three times in franchise history. Uh, and as we said, uh, the last time they had lost 10 in a row, uh, they they made a trade for Joe Thornton. Um, obviously, you, you, you're not going to get a jumbo right now because it's past the trade deadline. But at the same time, you get these kids called up um, to add some freshness. I, I don't know why I keep going to that, but it's it's a great, great way to, to describe it, Mark. But uh, yeah, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the freshness is the word for now because the lines felt fresh. The combinations felt fresh. The power play felt fresh. Um, and even it was kind of a breath of fresh air to see some of these guys who we've talked about at times being the problem, being a little bit more of the solution. Like. Players like Gregor and Balsers, there are some of us that are big fans of them, some of us that are not. I've definitely been hard on players like Gregor over this season because I see the talent there, but it's just annoying to see someone that talent not produce. But recently, I feel like he's been a much different player. I feel like he's his skill is still evident, but he's getting up on the score sheet, which is what you want from someone with his skill. If he can just turn into like a 30, 40 point player, he definitely has a place in this franchise going forward. Right. But you just can't be a guy shooting two to 3% over an 82 game season like him, who's trying to slide into the top nine. Right. So you have him, you have Reedy um, getting in a couple goals and then Balser is now up to 11. Um, and those guys in general have all looked really solid, which is what the Sharks need is some depth behind those top line players. And you need the uh, you need the support, and you need those yeah. those guys to play. You know, as as much as you want to be offensively sound, you also need to play de- defensively or play it strong, uh, because you have to fight for your jobs. That's the biggest thing, I think, more than anything. Mark is that these kids are coming, and they're looking to to take your your spot. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure all these players are aware that the next 10, not even 10 games left now. What is it? Six games left. It's it's all a trial. It's it's all playing for your job probably for next year. Yeah. Um, the coaches are going to try out different things like we're seeing with the power play, which I do want to mention as much as we give shit to Bugner. Let's just say that we got to give him credit sometimes, too. And he's actually given the kids a chance. So, you know, I'm going to give him credit when it's due and you know, he's not doing that Bugner thing where I'm just going to bench person after a bad play. Like there was a few bad passes <clears throat> that, um, Bordelow made. He could have resorted to his own old tactics of, okay, well now you're going to sit on the bench the rest of the game. Instead, he let the guy play, kept giving him power play minutes and he even put him in some of those final minutes of the game. 
So um, Bugner has given them a chance, which is good to see. Um, part of it comes with, I think, being removed from the playoff picture. Right. But yeah, it's good to see them getting that chance. And I think a lot of the guys who are in the middle part of this lineup know that they're playing for jobs right now. And, and that's the big, big thing. I think, yeah, you have the jobs, but again, you, you hit it on the head with Bugner kind of be like, okay, we're out of the playoff picture, you know? And, um, you know, I, I hate to see it because it makes you wonder what if, if these guys were here all year, I mean, obviously Bordalo, you know, not being at, being in Michigan and I don't blame him, especially with, with the five guys that were that were there that jumped jumped over to pro. Um but yeah, I, I think it, it's nice to see the kids respond, replaying well and um pretty much, you know, knocking it out right now. So uh good on them. Uh and we'll talk about more of the kids in a second. Uh, at the moment the sharks are thirty, thirty four and twelve, uh good for seventy two points. Uh, with the win, they they still uh, stay above Detroit in the uh, standings for the Tankathon. Uh, we'll we'll tease you with the Tankathon before we get out of here, uh, for sure. But uh, you know, we talk about the kids coming. Uh, you know, we've seen Bordalo now two assists in two NHL games, including that craziness that he had with the Barracuda, his first pro game. Uh, but we also have. A trio of kids coming up fairly soon as well with uh, Ozzy Weisblatt from Prince Albert, who had an injury issue early on or like late in the season where he got shut down. He might be able to go for uh, the last three games for the Barracuda. Gannon LaRoque from Victoria in the Western Hockey League. Uh, nice numbers for defensemen in the WHL. And of course, the, the kid that we've, I think we've all been pardon the pun, gushing about Daniel Gushkin uh, from Niagara, you know, with 41 goals on the year. Uh, You got to be really excited about these kids coming on and seeing what they can do in the the final week for the Barracuda. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's just going to be a quick glimpse of what we can expect next year um, with this influx of talent coming from a couple of pretty strong drafts. Um, Ozzy, I'm definitely a little uncertain as to what he will do the remainder of this season, because the weird thing was, um, his team, Prince Albert, they actually squeezed into the last playoff spot despite being pretty bad. Um, so they should get wiped out pretty quickly, but I thought there was some sort of contract with like juniors and the AHL that a player couldn't play until his team was done and within a certain age range. So I'm not hundred percent sure on him. Plus, yeah, I know he's been coming back from an injury. Um, but he's a very good, shifty, energetic player that I think could eventually slot into the bottom six of the lineup. Um, his numbers weren't great this year, but again, he was on a pretty eh, team. Um, and I don't know if he's the kind of player who's going to necessarily ge- um, generate all that offense on his own. Um, Gushin is one of the players that I'm huge on. I think he's po- possibly our biggest boom or bust um, prospect. I think he could have some of the most offensive potential in our um, prospect corps, but he also similarly was on a pretty horrible team this year. 
And I think he had almost as many goals as the next player on his team had points. Um, he was oh. just absolutely dominating um, this season. 40-plus goals in only 51 games, 70-something points. Um, so I'm really interested to actually to watch him probably most of all. And then, like you said, Gannon LaRoque, he has actually been the pleasant surprise of this year. He was a fourth-round pick last year's draft. And on top of that, he was super young. He didn't turn 18 until almost the start of the season. And he's actually, I think, a few months removed from what would have been this year's draft eligible. Um, so he doesn't turn 19 years old until next season. And he just had amazing numbers for a player in their draft plus one season at that age. Um, not quite a point per game, but just under. And it's a huge boost from what he had been doing the prior season. So he's a player that actually I think I'm going to keep an eye on, too. <clears throat> I think getting a few games in would be very good for him. So we'll see what he does there. He'll definitely be going back to juniors next year unless he somehow miraculously made the Sharks, which won't happen. But he is on the correct trajectory right now and could be among our best defensive prospects with Merkley now making the jump to the NHL and Kinyazev also full-time AHL or if not NHL possible sometime next year. Um, so he could be among the tops of our D prospects. He's He's... he's got both offensive and defensive talent so he's a guy to keep an eye on yeah it, that's the big thing the my thing though is how concerned how much lack of depth the barracuda have with these last few games <laughs> and i i can't blame them for having him come up uh but it'll be interesting to see as they get they get their their feet with with the pros uh kind of a tryout per se uh and then of course you'll have the development camp uh you know sometime in july or august and then the rookie tournament is in san jose at, at the uh new barracuda arena uh which i think a lot of people will be psyched for uh, it'll be interesting to see how how that all plays out and then of course training camp and everything gets going again uh for the national hockey league season and the ahl season for that matter too uh, but while we talk about these trios, there's also a signing that happened earlier today. And, oh, man, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I know a lot of people were excited about this one. The Sharks inking this deal with, um, oh, gosh, with uh, Strauss Mann, uh, who was the goaltend who was one of the goaltenders the Team USA had at the Beijing Winter Olympics. Uh, put up some beautiful numbers despite going one and one uh, at 1.85 goals against a 9.45 save percentage. Uh, and I, I, I promised, I promised Kevin Lacey I was going to get this right. So I'm going to try to say it. Uh, but in the SHL with Shell FTO uh, or Shell FTO in the Swedish league, I believe that's the same league that. Uh, uh, William Eklund was in. He had a 2.19 goals against and a 9.14 save percentage in a regular season and a 9.22 in the playoffs. Um, but you know what? It, he was also with the Michigan Wolverines, so there is a Bordelow connection there too. And he had a 9.21 save percentage and, and an unreal, I think it was like 9.39 and 9.30 the last two years he was at Michigan. Um, what, what have you heard about Strassmann. Yeah, I, I it's a good signing for the Sharks and it kind of we 
hinted at it a little bit earlier, but it just really solidifies, I think, the goaltending depth in the franchise. Um, he's got really sound numbers. I personally haven't watched him much, um, but what I'm hearing is that he's athletic, he is quick, and one of the reasons he possibly wasn't signed earlier or he missed the draft was some of it related to his size because he's only six feet tall, which nowadays, you know, the obsession with these tall goalies. Oh, yeah. Um, but, hey, if he's putting up those kind of numbers at every level, there's no reason to not give this guy a chance. And in the Olympics, he looked really good. So um, not a large sample size, but enough to me where I think this is a really good move for the Sharks. And it could be just part of a move to bolster up the CUDA for next year and then, you know, see what we have in our goaltenders down the line. So no risk, possibly super high reward. Yeah, and it's a big one indeed because you have currently right now you have Reimer Hill and Kakinen with the big club. You would venture to guess Stalak will probably not be here next season. He's just here for helping out uh, for the rest of the year. You have Zach Sachenko, who I'm not sure if he'll be with the Cuda next year or whatnot, but I, unless something emergency-wise happens again, he's not going to come back to the Sharks. But then you have Strassman. You have, you know, down the road... You, you're, I mean, you're going to have Goudreau and Magnus Krona with Denver. Uh, you know, you you just, it's like, Nabby, you have goaltenders to, to mold into what Warren Strahlo molded, in, molded you into. So, uh, and I heard, I've heard some comparisons to Mika Kippersoff. With with Strassman, which I don't know how Nabby will take that, but you know, I think you could think of it back to that era in terms of abundance of goalies. That's for sure. Um, you think about it. What well, we had a year ago, where we were stuck with, like you said, Jones and Dell, right? And then no semblance of anything in the pipeline, and then a few trades, a few signings, and a draft pick, and suddenly it looks like we've got five goalies that could be in our franchise for. <laughs> period of time so it's it's moving in the right direction and i don't think that'll be a position that our front office will focus on in the future if not getting rid of maybe one of them because it's just an abundance but i definitely don't think they'll be bringing in any more goalies no no i i can't see it i mean obviously you're going to have to make a move before the season starts next year uh but but pj48 is saying yeah, is saying it bang on. So the Sharks are paying the Martin Jones buyout, have Reimer, Kakinen, and Hill at the NHL, Amon, Stalock, Sachenko, Mann at the AHL, and Benjamin Gudo uh, in the Canadian junior system. And then in college, you have Magnus Krona. That's lots a, of options. Not, lots yeah, of options. Lots of options. And, and a lot of uh, competition coming up. And a definite, again, if if there's ever a year that the uh, that the uh, development uh, camp and the and the prospect scrimmage are going to be big ones to watch, it's going to be this one for sure. So uh, let's get to some of the comments in the chat here. Uh, I haven't seen any quotes yet, so I hope HA's okay. Um, also, puck guy for the pun and the graphic for heading for man, but I'm just thank you, Felix. I appreciate that. Uh, Ian saying bang on about gush with with you, Mark. 
for sure. Mikey J saying, all we are saying is give kids a chance. Thank you for breaking out your inner John Lennon there. Uh, uh, Jerry F., thank you. Uh, we're in the, the Patrick Marlowe uh, jersey. Of course, a year ago tonight, I was in Vegas with my girlfriend as he broke Patrick, uh, as he broke Gordy Howe's uh, games played record. That was uh, uh, a year ago tonight. So, Patty, I hope you're enjoying Disneyland well. Uh, I recommend the lobster nachos at the uh, Lamplight Lounge. Sounds good. Uh, oh, they're so good. And, and, the, and the churro for breakfast, even better. Uh, mm. Back Mm-mm. to PJ48. Only question I have, why do you wait until you are out of the playoffs until you ice a third lane with speed and a fourth lane without VL and Gachevich? It's a fair point. Um but I think you'll have to remember that coaches also are playing for their job. And it seems like rocket or simple to us where that might be the best third line to ice. I don't know. Booner probably has his reasons for not doing it. It's a lot of old school coaches. Sometimes they just don't trust youth. And to be fair, some of those guys we're talking about with the speed weren't producing. So, you know, it it's. It kind of goes both ways. We see the talent there with someone like Gregor, um, Balsers, these guys, you know. And then what were they playing with before? It was Benino and Nieto and some of the older guys. But if they're not producing, a lot of times coaches just won't give them that chance. They they have. It's been proven time and again that younger players have a shorter leash than some of these veterans. Yeah. And, and I think things have changed since the team has been eliminated. Um mm-hmm. You hate, you hate to see it, but you hope that you get some consistency out of these guys going forward. I mean, I know Jonathan Dolan hasn't been, let's be honest, Jonathan Dolan hasn't been the same since he got injured, you know, in November. At one time, he's fighting for the rookie scoring lead, and it hasn't been the same, and then he's been going in and out of the lineup, which, you know, of course, plays with your psyche mentally and physically. Uh, you know, Merkley's been in and out of the lineup. So to see some of these guys getting that shot, and granted, you know, some of it's because of an injury bug. Um, you know, it 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 can be uh, it can be tough, and it's like it's great to see. Uh, it's great to see down the road that these guys are going to get a chance. Um, Speaking uh, of Merkley, though, there was a few times him and Bortolo were both on the ice together, whether it was the power play or even strength. That was exciting to watch. Yeah. You had two guys who were not afraid to move the puck and have talent with the puck. There were some really nice passes and movement there. Absolutely. And uh, and I can't wait for him to really gel. I, mm-hmm. I mean, Bortolo's only been with the Sharks since, I think, Sunday morning. <laughs> and, what, has one practice in? <laughs> yep. 72 hours, two assists. Yeah, you know, a point a game per player. I, I think it could be something special, but let's not get too crazy yet. As much as as much as we're excited about Bordalo, we're excited about, you know, the kids coming in for the CUDA. And let's be honest too, Brandon Coe and I believe Tristan Robbins are playing in yep. the Western hockey or playing in in the uh, CHL playoffs. It's it's nice to see that there are some guys and I we've been talking about it all year long. But they're finally getting the recognition and a chance to shine. Yep. So. And in all this talk, we still haven't mentioned Eklund. So exactly. There's always that. Well, and the upcoming draft pick. So yes, there's a there is something to be excited about. There is something to be excited about, 
you know, it may not look like great right now, but patience, my fellow Sharks fans, patience. Let's hope for uh, things to get turned around, but, you know, we have a lot to uh, get to in that time, and we'll be with you all the way, including all summer long. So if you haven't already, uh, hit that subscribe button. It's over here, down, yeah, down over there. Okay, somewhere over there. You you get it. Um, <laughs> so let's get let's continue on. Bengal barbecue, though, I haven't had Bengal barbecue, Dana. So you're gonna have to talk to me about it. Uh, oh, the Zulu beef skewer. Oh, yes, at Disneyland. Yes, no. I, I get you. We'll, we'll have, uh, that'll probably be some of our summer content is what's the best food at Disneyland. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. <laughs> We're kidding. We're kidding. Uh, John John uh, asking, do you think the better play is less predictability play from the lesser played rooks? What do you think? Um, In terms of, are we trying to like trick the opponent here? Or is it, is it, I'm, I'm confused about the question i i think more I, I think more so it's because the better play is coming from guys who ha aren't aren't kind of in the same mold of okay get the puck ribbon the puck around the board to burns and throw it on net and oh. shoot it as opposed to these guys are just going out there and just playing and it, and and not maybe it's the lack of practice time I think it's actually a fair point, too, because sometimes and we've watched these Sharks teams for years, they have some bad habits. It's like you mentioned, actually, the rimming around to Burns. These young players, they haven't really developed those yet. So it, I've seen them do this before where they'll throw out a random new group on the power play. And a lot of times it doesn't seem to stick because they end up eventually resorting back to the same four or five guys. But I think there is some method to that madness because these guys haven't really developed any of those bad tactics. They haven't picked up any bad habits from being on the power play consistently. And they're just kind of playing and keeping it simple. Like most of these players know how to do, they just get out of that, I guess, routine of making the simple play and trying to make the extra special pass tap across then to Burns with the obvious point shot that goes wide, you know, no Pavelski to tip it in front anymore. So the, I think these fresh lines and fresh power play units are definitely um, going to be noticeable, at least for a few weeks, I could say, to end the season. Right. So it's going to be fun. I think, and that's, I think, what everybody's excited about because they've kind of been in that cookie cutter role for so many years. And to see some, again, I'm going to go with that term, fresh. Uh, with some freshness on this team, it's nice to see, and maybe they can gel a little bit in these last couple of weeks to get it going for next season. So, uh, um, uh, pin bass or pin base, uh, Bob Bugner should have realized a long time ago that the younger players are going to be the defining factor of the games coming up. Um, yeah, I, I think for that, for the most part, Mark. I mean, the the they have been going through a, a youth movement. I mean, they've been saying that for a couple of years now. They would not call it a rebuild. They were hoping it would be a reset to uh, get some of these younger players in. Uh, and of course, the cap considerations, albeit, forced them to do that. 
Um, but it's nice to see, you know, and, and honestly, it's a deep dive with what they have in their system right now. And now you're going to see who's going to be coming up to possibly take that spot over. Yeah. And, um, I think it kind of goes back to a little bit what I said earlier in terms of, I think Bugner, he gets a little bit more, um, criticism on the youth stuff than he deserves. I mean, you, you, you mentioned Dolan. Yes, he's been coming in and out of the lineup, but let's be fair. On a lot of nights, he hasn't been very noticeable. True. Early in the season, he was forcing his hand into the lineup, and he was getting top six minutes. Um, a year ago, John Leonard was in the same situation. He was getting top six minutes for an extended period of time. Um, I think a lot of the anger towards Bugner comes more so with his dealing with Merkley, which yeah. I— somewhat understand and agree with i don't know if it's because of the fact that bugner was a defenseman himself and he has some standard or expectation he expects of all of his defensemen i personally think merkley's elite hands are worth keeping him in the lineup because he makes plays that most players can't do it's basically him and carlson who have that kind of vision and ability to find these passes through seams um so i think again some of the criticism of bugner and his handling of the young players is warranted but I think also some of it might be blown a little bit out of proportion. Now, if you wanted to talk about some of his overtime lineup decisions, that's a different story. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I'm I'm so glad it wasn't on Sunday night because I just would have lost it. No disrespect to Nieto, but, I mean, mm. really, you're basically just playing prevent defense and it's not working out. You know, yeah. uh, Over 2. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, remember this team was 1-6-0 in overtime this season right what the heck <laughs> uh let's get to a few more comments before we get to the tankathon uh felix good evening good sir what did you guys think of the broadcast promoting indian heritage night thought that was neat i'll let you uh take that first yeah i thought it was cool um i saw the puck drop ceremony and i know randy was talking randy was really pumping the tires on that um <laughs> beanie that he was wearing but, um, yeah, no, it's always great anytime they're um, supporting any of the heritages, just getting into it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. The Bay Area is super diverse, just like yeah. like it is in New York. And um, to literally to have it be hockey is for everyone is, is always nice to see. Uh, I, I hope they can do that for everyone uh, down the road. I, I know they have, but they haven't pushed it like they have this on this night. You know, I know there's been like a – a Chechia um, Heritage Night, uh, among others. I know Hurdle's been been over there many times. I know when when it's been Swedish Night, uh, Eric Carlson's really into it with everybody, which is which is kind of fun. Uh, but yeah, seeing Robin Bawa, who uh, was on the ice for for that 17 game losing streak, good to see. Also, original Mighty Duck. They took him in the expansion draft, too, for that matter. So mm. um, so there's that. Uh, you know, and, and hope, you know, hope, uh, you know, Manny Malhotra. Uh, so there are some heritage spots in, in there with the Indian heritage. Uh, and Punjabi up in Canada has been massive. I mean, uh, I, I can't think of the announcer's name, the who the one who did the Benino call, I want to say Hunan Ryer Singh 
if I'm not mistaken, uh, great broadcaster. I'm glad he's getting some calls on the on the uh, English edition of Hockey Night in Canada there. So it's time for the Tankathon. All right. Uh, everything's been updated since the Sharks have been victorious. They're currently have the 10th spot in the uh, Tankathon here uh, with the uh, with 72 points. Anaheim at 74. Detroit at number 9 at 70. All right. I know you're all excited for this. Let's Let's see what happens here. Let's see what happens here. And looking at it. <sighs> so Ottawa wins the draft. They move up six spots. But the one that's painful is that Columbus moves up 10 spots to get the number two pick. They go from 12 to 10 or 12 to two. So the Sharks would drop down one spot to 11. Of course, right? Of course. <laughs> Our worst nightmare at this point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, all right. So we'll try that again on uh, maybe Thursday, definitely Saturday uh, for sure on that one. Um, playoff races. I, I know the Sharks are out of it, but, uh, man, uh, Vancouver gets a point to pull even with Vegas at 87. They're four points back of Dallas um you know and LA wins in Anaheim tonight to get to 92 this could be happening this could be happening where Vegas misses the playoffs in their fifth year where their owner fully was like we're gonna win a cup in the first five years yeah and it is nothing but beautiful um <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's the one positive I'm taking out of this hockey season is all the bad things happening to Vegas. You know, it's it's great. There won't be a drought in Vegas from all those tears. So no. all good there. Yeah, um, I think more than anything, I think it's just the yeah, you got to the cup final the first year. You got all the breaks that first year. And then, of course, the whole thing the second year, we won't mention game seven, but we just did. Whoops. Um, you know, it, it's basically appreciate what you have or what you, what you went through, you know, with the sharks, I think a lot of us appreciate the Patty Jumbo area, you know, where they went on such great runs. Yeah. They didn't win the big shiny thing. 2016 we'll never forget, but, um, you know, you appreciate what you got in that it, it doesn't get this easy. This is not the easy ones to get. So, yeah, and they've, as fans, have had it fairly easy. So, yeah. um, that's why I think definitely the bitter Sharks fan in me is enjoying this, <laughs> just because of you know what Sharks fans had to go through with the fact that nothing was handed to us on a platter when we were a fran uh, expansion franchise, and then you know, like you said, we've never even had a first overall pick at this point. Um, but it's, yeah, it's some of the lineup decisions they've made, the way they've treated some of their players, and then just the overall rivalry with the Sharks over the years with the fighting, the injuries, some of the dirty plays. It's great to see them possibly missing the playoffs and those fans kind of seeing what being a fan is actually really about. You're not always just going to Stanley Cup finals and making everything look easy. Yeah. I, I mean, if they miss 
okay, now you've now you've kind of felt it. Yeah. You know, now you felt it. Now now I think more than anything, as much as I would never be okay with them winning the cup before the sharks do, now that you've been through that pain and even though it's only been one year, now you know what it's like. Appreciate what how grateful you've had it, you know. Um so that's how I see it on that part. With that, I think that'll wrap us up. In case you missed anything, when you watch this again, um, check us out on tealtownusa.com or your favorite podcatcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Also, check us out on Audible. You remember Audible, one of our first sponsors uh, on Amazon. And check that out. Uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio. Of course, smash that subscribe button. And of course, you can always hit us up at tealtownusa.com. So with that, I'm at PuckGuy14 on the Twitter and the Instagram. He is at Mark E. Mark SJS on the Twitter. Uh, your final thoughts, my friend? Uh, final thoughts. Um, I hope no one was playing a drinking game with us using the word fresh. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to use it one more time. It's been a, it's been a fresh you know, few days watching the young players, and I think... Sharks fans should tune into the Barracuda for the rest of the season, follow some of our guys and juniors, and then, you know, just enjoy that. We still have a few more hockey games to watch. It's been a painful year, but, you know, it's still Sharks hockey. I love watching the Sharks even when they suck. So, you know, I'm going to enjoy the final few games of the season and start ramping up for the draft in a few months. Yes, this is where your work starts, my friend. Yes. I, you, you love the prospects uh, and, and the college uh, guys, so... Uh, you get at it. Uh, I appreciate you joining in, uh, even though I know you were you kind of were feeling a little underweathered. Stick taps to you, my friend, on uh, on getting it done. So I'm at PuckGuy14 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we will be back with you Thursday night following Sharks and Blues. Uh, that game was originally an ESPN game. Uh, it has been switched over to NBC Sports California. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, we'll be back with you for After Dark. And hey, you know, the Barracuda play tomorrow. Maybe, maybe we will have, we will, we will throw it back to a Barracuda After Dark tomorrow. So the best way to know if we do that is subscribe and then hit that notification bell. That'll notify you when we are, uh, when we go live. So be on the lookout for that. Follow us on the social media. And until for sure Thursday night, keep it real, keep it teal, keep it real teal. Have a great night, everyone. The chompersation continues on our Discord. So we'll see you over there for a few minutes. And have a great night. We'll you'll see you on Thursday. Once again, the Sharks won. Yes. Good night, everyone. Hallelujah. Oh, and of course I screwed it up. Way to go, Eric.